welcome to the Sustainable Future podcast. I am your host, Matthew Chang. Each episode, we investigate and discuss the latest topics in the environment through the mindsets of nonprofit founders, environmental activists, scientists, business leaders, and many others. Today, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome Councilmember Farah Khan to the Sustainable Future podcast. Ms. Khan is a mom, a member of various nonprofit organizations, and the Democratic candidate for Irvine's next mayor. Hi, Councilmember Khan. First of all, how are you doing? How's your week been? Good. Just uh, super busy, a lot going on in the city, um, but otherwise it's been good. Good? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Um, could you tell us a bit about your background just to start off? Um, how have you gotten to this point in your life? And um, maybe just elaborate a bit about that. Okay, sure. So, you know, um, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, went to school at UC Davis and um, brought my family out here because my husband was starting his own business. And um, we came out here about a little over 16 years ago to Irvine. Uh, we were moving to Southern California. And so I did my research and uh, looked up, you know, areas um, that I thought would be good for our family and picked Irvine. And so, you know, uh, when we came out here, uh, I was working at the time as a regulatory affairs manager for a biotech company. And um, uh, being here, I think it was about the start of the recession. So none of the biotechs out here were hiring. And because of that, it, and I had two little boys at the time that were one and three. And so I started working with a lot of nonprofits, trying to kind of, you know, do whatever I could um, in the time being. And that kind of led me into um, the nonprofit world and really enjoyed um, working on so many issues like human trafficking and homelessness and um, ended up being hired as the executive director of a local nonprofit um, that really worked with a lot of the faith communities and um, other nonprofits, uh, making sure that people were understanding the issues that we were facing locally. And through that, um, got to meet so many people that were sharing their concerns, not only in this city, but in neighboring cities as well. So um, ended up showing up at city council meetings and speaking up during public comments and asking our uh, elected officials to do what was right, um, kind of push them and nudge them into making the right decisions for the community. And so a few people had asked me, you know, you're almost at every city council meeting. Why don't you run for city council? And I never thought of um, going into politics before. So the first time was, I think, in 2016 when I first ran. And I didn't win that time around. I actually came in fourth out of 11 candidates, but then ran again in 2018 and came in first out of 12 candidates. I see. That's awesome. I've lived in uh, Irvine, too, for, I think, my entire life. <laughs> and it's it's a pretty great city. And uh, it's funny. Um, I know some city council members that don't go to every meeting, but uh, hearing from you, uh, who's not who was not even a council member at that time, going to every single meeting, <laughs> of course, you had to run. Um, just just a question, just a casual question. Um, do you like the Bay Area better or do you like Irvine better? <laughs> Boy, that's a hard one. I have so many memories in the Bay Area of growing up yeah. and my family's still out there. Um, I think it's a 50-50. I mean, I love being I out see. here now because now mm. my kids have their memories here. Um, oh, because, yeah. you know, they were one in three when they came. And so all they know is um, Irvine in, in Orange County. And so I, I would have to say divide it up in half probably. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I probably would too. <laughs> and um, so I just want to ask, since you're right now very deeply involved in your um, run for mayor, um, why did you decide to run for mayor? Boy, you know, um, being elected in 2018, uh, I was in a four-year term. Um, so I was not planning on running for mayor. But um, with recent issues, especially social justice issues that were coming up, um, I just felt that our mayor just took the wrong side. Um, you know, when it came to um, dealing with national issues that were coming down to the local level, like people calling the coronavirus the Chinese virus, uh, it was very um, it was very hurtful to see that uh, our mayor didn't understand that we were facing hate incidences right here in our city. Um, you know, at the time, I didn't, haven't checked how many um, we're at right now, but at the time um, when it first started, we already had three hate incidences that were recorded um, by the Orange County Human Relations Commission. And our mayor was telling people that we have had none, that we don't face this issue here. And so I made sure that we had a proclamation, uh, a resolution in place um, that would basically take a stand against hate towards any of our Chinese or Asian American community members because that's not who we are as a city. And then at the same time, when we hit the pandemic, you know, we had students that were really suffering because they were stacking leases um, without jobs and without school. Um, schools were basically shut down, um, not being able to go back home. And when their voices weren't heard, you know, our mayor was out there telling them to go find a job at Amazon. And, you know, that's not really the type of leadership, again, that our city deserves. Um, we really needed to look into what kind of funding was available, and we eventually did. Um, I actually wanted to put in a little more, but we compromised on $2 million from the CARES Act fund that we then converted to either rent relief or um, relief towards um, students that wanted to break their leases. Um, but it wasn't enough, and it was a little too late. And so, you know, outside of that, we also had the issue um, with the BLM protests in our city. And each and every protest that we've had, we've had our police department say that it's been peaceful and without incident. And um, you know, the words coming out of our mayor's um, office were just not in line with what the community was hoping to accomplish. They were voicing some concerns that we're facing in our city, um, and they're not like other cities. We weren't facing issues like you know Seattle or, or Chicago or anything like that. But we do have our own issues. And so instead of tackling those issues and working on them, uh, she was telling people that if they didn't like the way the city was run, they should find another city to live in. Uh, again, uh, at that time, you know, it was like three things in a row that had happened. And um, people were looking at me and saying, well, what are you going to do? And I was looking at others saying, is someone going to run? <laughs> and so because no one else was stepping up, um, I made the hard decision and um, decided to run against her just because I feel that you know, our city is so diverse, it is so inclusive. Uh, we need leadership that is going to be voicing, um, you know, the same, uh, sharing how, you know, we may not be perfect. Um, I'm sure there's gonna be gaps as we move along, but we need to be the ones that build those bridges and not be divisive. And so um, that's really important um, to have leadership that understands um, what our community is facing or, you know, what their needs are and to act accordingly. For sure, for sure. Um, I, I was also personally disgusted by the misinformation and all the hate crimes towards Asian Americans, people of all races. As a Korean American myself, um, I, I think my family and I were also 
kind of scared of what was happening out there. Um, just a question. I, I know that you were protesting, you were marching with um, the people for the BLM movement. Um, what emotions were going through you while you were doing that? You know, it, the, the protests themselves were very, there's very family-like. So families were there, young kids were there, teenagers were there. And, um, you know, the message was just, you know, we want to do better. You know, we have a great police department in our city that works in partnership with our community members. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that there are people out there that maybe don't feel as safe as they should be. And so for me, it was just to be out there and hear the concerns, hear the stories that people were sharing about their experiences. And one of the things that happened after that um, BLM protest was that I was able to reach out to those same folks, especially our black community members, and bring them in for a roundtable discussion. And the first one included our police chief and our assistant police chief. And we talked about things that they wanted to improve. Um, they wanted to make sure that when they were pulled over, that they were treated fairly. They wanted to make sure that you know um, the officers understood where they were coming from. So we're starting a speaker series in conjunction with UCI's African-American Studies Department um, to bring in speakers that'll share um, with our officers the experiences that the Black community faces and the trauma that they sometimes go through. And so th these are all opportunities for improvement. And um, you know, outside of that, we're looking at equity across the board. So we're gonna look at equity when it comes to housing, when it comes to employment, um, when it comes to contracting for everyone. Because at the end of the day, we wanna make sure that everyone feels that they're a part of the city and then that um, there are going to be um, you know, policies in place that are gonna protect them. Yeah, I, I'm really inspired to hear about your speaker series. And um, if we have time after this interview, I'd really love to hear more about it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I heard um, from you and I um, researched you from your website that you were actually one of the first women of color to be elected to the Irvine City Council. Yes. Um, or, or, or the first. The first. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what was your experience with that? And um, maybe in alignment with the racial justice going on, um, how, how have you felt? Um, being in that position? You know, it, I didn't realize how much of an impact um, me being elected meant to the community uh, until I was sworn in. And, um, you know, in the beginning, um, staff told me to pick like four hours during the week that I would come into City Hall and hold office hours. So on Mondays, I picked four hours during the day and I said, okay, these will be my hours. And within the first few weeks, I found myself spending almost all day at City Hall every day because so many people were reaching out with different concerns. And you know, sometimes it just takes that person that understands the community or comes from the community because that's where all my work had been prior to being elected to feel comfortable in coming forward and sharing um, what was happening. It could be something as small as you know a tree root um, overgrowing and, and causing a problem in someone's, um, you know, landscaping or garage or sidewalk uh, to someone actually looking for help because they have to transition into affordable housing. And so, you know, for me, that was really key because it meant that the community trusted me enough to reach out to me uh, and, and enough so that they knew that I would do something about it. And that's really a, where a lot of my time has gone up, um, into is just responding to the community's questions and concerns and making sure that I was directing them to the right place 
making sure I was providing them with the answers that they were looking for. And so, you know, uh, when people talk about diversity and, and its importance in elected office, I say absolutely, um, because sometimes that's the, the one mechanism that changes what, how a person or an entire city um, looks at elected officials. Do they think that they're approachable? Do they think that they're trusting, you know, trustworthy? And that's really important. If we are going to truly be public servants, then that's really what we should be doing. Yeah, I totally agree how it's all about the small things that lead to the big things. And that's especially important when you're looking at community leaders like yourself and um, the mayor. Um, I just wanted to ask right now, we're very deep into your campaign and it's only four days away from election day. Um, I was just wondering, what do you think is the hardest part about being involved in politics? Have you had any challenges? And maybe um, what are some of the most rewarding parts of your job? So I say the hardest part of um, politics is um, really the, the, the mudslinging. You know, uh, I think the, uh, I'll share with you guys, I'll be open. When in 2016, the first time when I ran, you know, most of my campaign, I spent crying because I was like, oh my gosh, they're saying such horrible things about me, you know, and they were not even true. They're making stuff up and they're putting them out in print mail and on social media. And then in 2018, I kind of learned from that. And I said, okay, this is how the game is played. But I never um, played that way. So I think that was really important um, when people were voting to see that no matter what was coming my way, I would put out facts. And even though um, it would be against my opponents, it were, there were always factual points. Um, I would never make up stuff or never um, bring someone's family down or, or make any sort of... Um, you know, uh, gestures that, that would change someone, the way someone looks. Because you'll see in um, the most recent um, mailers that are going out, they basically distorted my picture to make me look shorter and fatter. And, you know, it's, 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 it doesn't make sense. I mean, why are you attacking someone by the way they look? Um, that's really low. And so, you know, that's the hardest thing in politics is, is the games that are played and the dirty politics that um, come into it. Um, but for me, it's always been about putting facts out. And um, whenever I am targeting my opponent, it's based on their voting record or what they've done. Um, so the um, voters are educated. Um, but I think the best part and the most rewarding part about public service is, is just being in touch with the community and even making that one small difference in someone's life that's going to make their life a little bit better. Um, you know, like I said, you know, having that one tree removed um, may seem like nothing, but for that one person, that family, it meant a lot. And so those are the very rewarding times, um, you know, when you're an elected official and you're able to improve someone's life or make a difference. Um, that just, it, it just keeps you going. I think that's one of the best parts about this job. That's amazing. Um, as you know, this podcast is targeted toward environmentalists and is about the environment. Um, if elected as mayor, uh, what do you hope to do for our environment at Irvine? Absolutely. And you know, that's one of my passions too. So, <laughs> and you know, yeah, with the, the vegetable garden, <laughs> the vegetable garden. Yes. <laughs> so in 2019, I actually um, in, uh, initiated the climate action plan that our city didn't even have. Um, and that's really looking at um, setting goals for ourselves um, in reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and making sure that we're monitoring our air quality, our water quality, and looking at our, our energy um, sources um, and just building green. And out 
from that came um, the idea of community choice energy, which I've been working on since 2015, long before I even got elected. And finally, we voted on it this year um, to move it forward. And that's really kind of breaking that monopoly of SCE and bringing it down to the local level where we as a city get to decide um, where our energy source comes from. So we can decide that within one year, two years, we want to convert to 100% renewable energy. And because we're not a for-profit for entity, um, we get to reduce the rates for our residents and our businesses. And so it, it's a um, it's a win-win situation for our environment, for our residents. And at the same time, any revenue that we generate from the program converts back into um, newer programs and um, services that we can put right back into the community. So I'm really looking forward to keeping these two things um, moving and, and getting those data points in place so we can set those goals and start achieving them. Because that's what we do today is gonna affect us for years to come. And the time now is now to take these actions. We can't wait anymore. And so that's what I'm really looking forward to is really being the leader and pushing them as far as we can um, to get to where we need to be. Because again, you know, right now we're dealing with the fires, we're dealing with uh, the asphalt company, and we're dealing with a lot of um, issues that are integrated with the environment. So uh, if we don't take steps now, you know, we're really jeopardizing our own lives in the future. Yeah, I, I know. I read an article the other day about how the, the Silverado fires, the Blue Ridge fires, um, they're, they're not caused directly by climate change, but climate change extends the dry wind period, and that does in turn indirectly cause these kinds of natural disasters to occur. Um, I know, yeah. The dry wind, you brought up dry wind, which is so important. The Santa Ana winds, we've never had them last this late. And uh, I just mm. found out like from our Orange County Fire Authority that they're expecting the shift in the winds to continue till December which really has never happened before. We've usually had them happen in the summer, spring, summertime, and then they end. But the fact that they're prolonging all the way till December is really where you see the change happening. That's interesting, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I know you have a unique perspective as a parent too. You have, um, you have children and um, climate change, in my opinion, is probably one of the most pressing issues in today's, this century. Um, I'm just wondering, Maybe in, could you talk a bit about your vegetable garden or some of the environmentally friendly activities that you're encouraging in your household? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the first things that um, I really wanted to do was look into food waste in our city. And so um, we're working, I'm, I'm the chair of the Green Ribbon Environmental Committee for the city, and we're really working hard um, with our waste management department to make sure that um, we're going to be able to provide uh, food waste pickup for our residents. And not only that, but we're starting a pilot program, uh, a composting program with, within the city, where we're looking at maybe one or two sites um, near our community centers where people can come in and drop off their food waste and pick up compost to take home. And so that's really exciting. And because of all of this, um, you know, um, when the pandemic hit, uh, I always share how horrible of a green thumb I have because you could give me, um, you know, a succulent and a cactus, and I'll probably kill that too. Me but too. Pandemic, <laughs> I was able to actually spend some time learning about, you know, growing food, um, and ended up growing. Um, uh, it was squash. It was zucchini, bell pepper, uh, tomato, 
and Basil and Mint. And so really excited that, you know, you could be horrible at gardening, but, you know, if you spend a little bit of time learning, um, you know, I never knew that you needed to have a male and female plant to actually have um, the vegetables grow. Because for a while I was sitting there going like, all these flowers are coming, but I'm not getting any fruit. And so it was a huge learning experience. But at the same time, it's so exciting when you get your first zucchini or your first squash. Um, you know, it almost feels like you've accomplished something. So that was a lot of fun for me. And I look forward to continuing that, um, you know, as we move along. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I um, recently during the pandemic, I logged on to one of the Green Ribbon Environmental Committee meetings and I saw the slideshows and um, all the members is talking about terms that I didn't I couldn't even define I, I didn't even know what was going on but um, you guys for sure are pros at this environmental thing and uh, I'm really looking forward to see what you guys do in the future um, I just wanted to ask so, what would you yeah. I'm gonna just interject real quick on that yeah. environmental community Matthew you'll be excited yeah. to hear that um, in our next meeting we're going to discuss about opening up two seats for our youth so we definitely oh, really Yes, so we want our young ones to be a part of our committee. And so I'm trying to get two seats to open up and we'll um, put it out into the community. And we want our young people to join us and share their experiences. Because again, you know, once we move on, you guys are going to be taking over. So we need to hear yeah. from you as well. That's awesome. Wow. Uh, I'm really glad that you're doing this. I think right now, especially in this environmental crisis, what's really important is having our young people invigorated and empowered and um that's just really exciting I, i'll see you the next in the next environmental committee meeting um i was just wondering you've talked so much about community service and i'm really glad i'm really grateful to see how much you've done for our community um just what do you like most about giving back to people i think it's the relationship you build it's just so um invigorating um you know you start off with someone emailing you or calling you with a complaint, you figure out what's going on, what needs to be done, and at the end of the day, you become friends. And so really serving at the local level is all about serving your neighbors. I mean, you know, we live in one city, we experience the same things in our city, um, and we hope for the best in our city. And so it's, it's wonderful to get to know people from different areas and kind of hear their concerns, um, what's going on, um, you know, block parties that they might have been having before COVID, of course, and how right now, how people are kind of prepping for Halloween, you know, they've come up with these little candy shoots. Um, they're like these long straws that they're um, throwing candy through and it goes right to the person's bucket so there's no contact. It's pretty amazing. So people are getting very creative out there. And I love hearing about these things. So you know, I think the best part about community service is the relationships you build and, um, you know, the ideas and and um, the things you hear from everyone. It, it just kind of makes the world, the world. Yeah, speaking about Halloween, um, you probably can see right here. This is every year. This is what I am. It's just like... wearing the headband. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best costume for me. <laughs> I saw on your website how um, you helped develop programming and funding for the Irvine Barclay Theater. Um, I, I've listened, I've been to performances and concerts in that very theater, and I think my sister also performed there one time. 
Um, could you comment about this? This is not environmentally related. I'm just very curious to see like your experience and um, how that's been and how you've been involved with um, the performing arts as well. Absolutely. You know, the performing arts are so important um, just for us to have culturally. And a lot of people don't even realize we have our very own theater right in the city. Um, and, you know, it, it it's what I've really brought to the table for them is to expand it as much as I can because it started off as, you know, they would have like world-class performances, they would have um, local performances, a lot of jazz um, opportunities. Um, and then now we're shifting to making sure that we have like flamenco um, performers coming through. We've got Hawaiian performers coming through. We have like the Indian festivals, the Chinese New Year festivals, and so much more is happening at the theater. Um, it's really, I want it to become more and more of a community theater. Um, I want people to understand that they are um, able to come and enjoy um, being there, um, watching amazing performances. And every seat in the house is a good seat. I mean, I've sat in the very back, I've sat in the very front, and wherever you sit, you get a good view of the stage. And so, you know, I want more and more people to utilize the theater and its experiences and become a part of it. So it's so important for us to have that as a cultural component in our city. Yeah, uh, I I watched, I think the most recent performance I watched was um, earlier this year, uh, before COVID for sure. But I the seats are so comfortable. I slept in them midway through the performance. But- uh, Seats now. Yeah, I know. And um, I sat in the back in the beginning and the front and the end, and they're pretty much the same. But yeah. if you go to some movie theaters or other concert halls, they're different quality. So yeah. I'm glad that um, everything is equal in the Barclay Theater. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, as um, this interview comes to an end, I even I'm curious about this question. Um, do you have any tips for aspiring community leaders, people who maybe want to run for mayor in the future or become um, a member of their city council? Yes, absolutely. You know what? Start off getting to um, getting involved in local community projects. I think that is so important. Um, whatever you're passionate about, um, there's so much going on right now, and there will be more as we come out of this pandemic as well. Um, get involved. Um, tune in to the city council meetings. You know, they're not the most fun, but you get a lot of information out of it. <laughs> they're not very entertaining, but uh, it's good to know what's happening in your city and um, you know the things that we're voting on. And one of the great things about the pandemic is now you can actually e-comment. So you can e-comment up until the time we actually start discussing an issue or an item. And so if you have something to say, you know, submit an e-comment and we get those, we get to hear those, we read those. And um, that's the input we need as we're making decisions. So become more involved. And hopefully once this pandemic is over, um, I'll be seeing more and more people show up at the city council meetings and become more engaged um, because, you know, really, uh, if you want any sort of change in the city, if you want anything uh, done in the city, the best way to do it is to become engaged. And so I encourage that as much as possible. I know that I um, had an internship program that we were running um, from our office that was year long. And because of COVID, it stopped. But once COVID is over, we're going to start that up again. And it just gives people an opportunity to not only join in, but to work on projects that um, might be of interest to them. That sounds amazing. Internship projects, probably when COVID 
ends, as you said. Yeah. Um, that, that'll be really exciting to do, especially for young aspiring leaders. Um, I, I just wanted to ask some casual questions, some fun questions to end the interview. Um, maybe what are some good books that you've read recently or some great movies that you watched? Um, okay. during this time <laughs> okay so during this time so I'm a big Star Wars fan right so yeah. I will watch Star Wars movies anytime so um, I, I do go back and watch rewatch them over and over again um, but I really enjoyed uh, the Marvel movies and so yeah. um, I know there were a few that I had skipped over and um, you know during the pandemic when it's kind of slow it's kind of really been very busy now when it's slow I was kind of going back and kind of sequencing the movies so I could watch and be like oh I didn't know that's why this happened <laughs> and so um you know those two are like my favorite ones but um with my son who's um 16 now we like to watch horror movies so we actually went through the insidious um series and, and watched those and I'll tell you it wasn't all that fun <laughs> yeah yeah I'm really bad at horror movies the jump scares they get me all the time <laughs> I'm like I'm fine with the story, but the film get to me. Dude, uh, insidious that uh, too scary for me. Just watching the trailer is enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. I. I honestly, I think that's all the questions that I had and all the questions um people sent in to me. Thank you for your time and thank you for being here. I really appreciate. It. I hope your week goes well. Sorry. Do you have anything to add? No, I just, you know, trying to get through these next five days and then hopefully relax for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if it, if COVID was not here um, on the day of your victory, I would bring a cake. But uh, alas, the pandemic still goes on. <laughs> you know, we'll have to have like a Zoom cake party of some sort. We will. We will. Yeah. A Zoom celebration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right well all right. thank you so much for being here i i really enjoyed i this time together i had these questions some of them were genuinely from me and um some of them for from my friends but That's awesome. i'm really glad that you took the time to come out or come out stay in same thing but log on to zoom <laughs> but thank you so much all right thanks matthew take care thank you you too bye-bye Thank you so much for joining us for the Sustainable Future podcast. I really hope you enjoyed your time here. Stay safe, and I'll catch you next time.